Hi, I'm Maria Thea Harris or Velosos, and today is So Over 50 Thursday. Now grab a cuppa and relax with us. So Organised Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, waters, and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the elders past, present and emerging. Welcome back to Soul Over 50 Thursday on Soul Organised Style Podcast. CSOs was a Soul Over 50 guest last year and today C is back for two reasons. This month is Black History Month and we're replaying Soul Over 50 Podcast with Black Makers. C is one of those makers and she's here again and this time it's to share her knowledge of surges or overlockers as we call it in Australia. Welcome back to Sober 50 Podcast, C. So it's really great to see you again. It's great to be back. And I thank you so much for inviting me for a second time. It's always good to have a sewist on the podcast and especially one who is so passionate about sewing topics, just like the one that you're going to talk about, which is surges or as we call them in Australia, overlockers. Yes. And here, the other name when they were used industrially was the marrow machine because I believe they were invented by a gentleman with the last name of Murrow. Originally, that's what it was called. I'm not sure how it got its name as a surger. I'm not sure. Okay, I'll have to look it up. That will be an interesting tidbit to figure out how that goes. My first question to you about surges is, do all sewists need a surger? Well, it depends on the sewist and what they're interested in doing with what they make. When I'm speaking with my students, I kind of equate the serger to the microwave in your kitchen. It's nice to have. You don't necessarily need it, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it can enhance what you're doing, enhance your cooking a little bit. So I feel that way definitely about the serger. I would say that if you're a person that really sews a lot of knits, you probably would like to have one because sergers and knits kind of go together. The serge stitch itself is almost like a knit stitch where you've got loops above and loops below that are being held on with the needles. It's a very stretchy stitch. So that's a really good thing for someone who does a lot of knit sewing. And they just give a much more professional finish to the interior of your garments. What do you then suggest that if a sewist was going to be using knit fabrics often that they should get a serger? I hate to say should. I mean, some people are very proficient with the sewing machine. They have figured out on their machine what stitch works well for them, and that's perfectly fine for them. So no, not necessarily. I believe in sewing with what works for you. Yeah. And definitely staying within whatever your budget and your space is. You know, some of us are sewing in very tiny spaces and adding a bunch of machines just is out of the question. And I wouldn't want anybody to feel badly that, you know, they're doing something wrong or they're not living up to the standard of today's sewing because they don't own a serger. Sewing's not about that. It's just about enjoying what you do. When it comes to sergers, you said that you teach students to use them. What prompted you to do that? I think I kind of got moved in that direction at the different places that I was teaching because... I understood how the surgery worked, and whenever someone came in with a problem, I was usually able to sit down with them and figure out what was going on and give them a few pointers. The last shop that I worked in, 
the owner had purchased some sergers to be used by students in her shop, but she didn't know how to work them. And uh, she asked me would I come in and sit with her and show her how to work the serger. And after our couple hours together, she asked me would I want to come and teach there. <laughs> so I guess I did a pretty good job. I'd say you did. When it comes to the basics with sergers, what should people learn first up? You want to definitely learn how to thread your machine. There's easy ways, you know, you can tie your threads on to start out to change colors, but sooner or later, something is going to break at an inopportune moment and you really do need to know how to get it back working again, how to get each thread in proper sequence so that you'll be able to get sewing again. That's very important. And what's the sequence for rethreading when that happens? Well, it depends on the serger. Normally, you would remove all your thread, at least remove your thread from the needle eyes and then thread your left looper and then the right on most machines. But there are some that you can thread anything. It doesn't make a difference. It really depends on the machine. So I think when you do purchase one, the first thing you want to do is get out your manual and read it thoroughly. I used, would say use that as your bedside reading at night, read a few pages every night before you go to sleep and make sure you at least are a little familiar with what's in there. So when you actually sit at the machine, you will be able to say, oh, that, that was in the manual. Let me go find that and it will help me out. Yeah, reading the manual is very important. Don't be like me. The first serger I bought was, of course, as they all come pre-threaded, the threads are knotted at the top of the thread pads. I took them all out. <gasps> and spent the rest of the day from about 12 in the afternoon till I picked up my kids from school. Of course, the evening was devoted to them. And then when everyone was in bed, I was back until I got everything threaded again. And then I opened the manual that says to me, take the knot out, tie all the threads on, release the tensions and pull them through. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> what a way to learn how to rethread your machine. Yeah, but I learned, I learned. And I, I think it taught me a little bit about the mechanics of the machine and, you know, what has to go where in order for it to stitch. So in all in all, it was time consuming, but it wasn't a bad thing. Oh, that's good. You're the one who now teaches the rest of us how to use surges. <laughs> Thank you for going through that learning. From the time you bought your first surger to now, have you seen many changes when it comes to the technology with surges? Oh, absolutely. The first one was just a very basic, and I wanted to start basic. I suggest that people start basic mm -hmm. because you may get a serger and decide that it just really isn't for you. You know, that you are too confused by all the threads, that you don't use it enough to have it be worthwhile. So start basic because as you go up the line and add features, you also, of course, add cost. So, yes. I started basic and then I learned about the differential feed, which would allow you to control mm -hmm. the gathering up or the stretching out of fabric when you sewed. And there was many techniques you could do with that differential feed. And so my next serger included the differential feed. Now today, most every serger has a differential feed on it. But the serger after that, I got one that had the LED screen so that the screen would actually, you select what stitch you wanted and the screen would actually tell you how to set all your settings, your loopers, your needles, your width, your length would tell you everything so you could get to that stitch. Then the technology changed again and we have now the jet air feeding and threaders for the needles. So there's very little that you have to do other than 
keep track of your information so you know which area to thread to get the stitch that you want. Yes, surging has come a long way. I'm not sure what they're going to add on to it next, but it seems that the manufacturers always figure out some other bell or whistle that we want to have. If I was to upgrade my serger, I would definitely go for one that had that LED screen that would tell you what to do. I actually still have that machine. That machine could convert to the cover stitch. So I keep it. I bought another serger that has the jet air feeding for the loopers. And I keep that serger with the LED screen set up for my cover stitch. So now I have a dedicated cover stitch machine and my serger. Wow. When you go shopping for... The various notions when it comes to sewing on a serger or sewing on your sewing machine, is there a difference in what you look for in either thread or for needles? Well, definitely the thread. You want to use what is termed the serger thread, the cone thread. Yep. Sergers use a lot more thread than your sewing machine. So those small spools that we buy would run out very quickly. Also, the thread that's on those serger cones is a different ply. It's a lighter weight thread than the thread that's on the spools. If you think about it, you probably want a thread that is lighter, less ply, because remember when you surge, you're using two, three, or four threads. So all the bulk of that thread is going to be left in your finished seam when you're done. So yeah, you wanna, you wanna use that two ply thread. Though I'm not a one that feels that all four of those cones have to be exactly the same color. Like the only one that really matters is the left needle because that's what's going to show if your seam should open a little bit or when you turn your flip your seam to the right side and look in there, the only one that shows is the left needle thread. So the others can be whatever. I'm writing that down as a tip. Yes, I think that's a good hint. I think my first... When I first got a serger, I bought white thread, black, gray, and then a mauvish color because those four colors could pretty much go with anything, any fabric color you wanted to sew. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when you catch a sale and you want to expand, you buy a few more colors. But at least that way, if you want to make sure that you've got a color that matches your fabric, but you don't want to go to the expense of buying four spools, you only need to buy one. And if you can only one on your left needle. Great. Oh, thanks for that tip. You're welcome. Are there any tips that we should keep in mind when we're using our serger? Be careful of your pins, a number one. You've got that cutting blade in there and you definitely don't want to run over a pin. Yeah. Just be careful of the pins. When I pin, if I'm in a difficult area and I have to pin, I pin perpendicular to my seam and I pin so that the head of the pin is to my left. That way, if I am going to sew over it, I'm only going to sew over the very pointed tip of that. So if I should accidentally catch it and I'm lucky, it'll just chop the head off of the point off of my pin and it won't wreck my serger. I did wreck one. I actually sewed over a zipper, a tooth of a zipper. And that was it. It threw the whole, nicked the blade and threw the whole tension out of whack. I had to take it back to the dealer and have them get it back in working order. So yeah, be careful about running over the pins. At least the way you've explained it will only go over that small edge of the pin point. Right. And as you're coming to them, you know, pull it, pull it back. So it's only holding as much as you need it to hold. And before it gets to where the blade, the top blade is coming down, pull it out. But mostly I do finger pinning 
I don't use pins when I serve too much. One thing that I used to do when I first started sewing, I used the blade as I was cutting to trim off the excess fabric so that if I didn't cut straight, it would clean it up. Is that okay? That's perfectly fine. You can, if you need to really cut like the smooth edge, like say you have a circle skirt and you're not really going to hem it, it's just going to be raw. If you want to get that perfectly beautifully, take all the thread out of your serger and just use the blade. So that way you'll cut it perfectly. It's going to cut it a perfect, that perfect circle, much more perfectly than I would be able to cut it with a scissor or a rotary cutter. You know, you won't get any of those little divots. You won't get any of that. It'll cut it perfectly. Oh, that's a good idea too. Thanks for that tip. You're welcome. These are all things that I have either read somewhere or learned from experience over the years of of working with the surgeon. Mostly when I sew, I will review through my patterns and see where I can change things. And instead of following the pattern sheet, you know, do something with the surgeon, like the hems on facings where you have to clean finish the edge of the facing and they'll tell you to double turn it in and stitch it. You don't want all that bulk, you know, in your facing. You don't, you really don't want that. You want that smooth. If you just surge around that edge, it's, it's perfect. And was this something that you found out by accident? I think I just started, said, well, why, why am I going to do that and put all that bulk? Let me just see if I can navigate that curve on the serger. And I just started doing that. Great. That's another good tip. If I can, normally I will put my whole, as much as I can of my garment together on the serger, especially if it's a knit. Wovens now, lately I've been working with more wovens than I have done. Like the coat that you like, that jacket that I made. Yeah. I don't think I used the serger on that at all. I totally did that on the sewing machine. Woven fabric, very simple, you know, to put together. And I wanted it to have, I guess, um, to be stronger so it would have more longevity. So I actually French seamed all the things on the inside so it would still look nice, but they would be good heavy seams that could withstand wearing and washing. So it would be around for a while. I think the reason why we make our clothes, you know, we spend a lot of time. We want them to last. You don't, you don't want it to be like that $10 dress that you bought, you know, while you were shopping at the big box store, the dress was cute, so you picked it up, but normally they don't last very long. For the new sewers, where should they start their learning about using surges? Well, these days, everything is online, and most of the manufacturers have all kinds of tutorials up online to walk you through everything that you have to do. Um, many of them come they used to come boxed with a CD, but now that the computers, some of them don't have the DVD players on, everything's up online. They send you to a site and the tutorials are all there to help you with things. So definitely do the tutorials. If your dealer has classes for the serger and you have the time to attend the classes, that's a good place to go because then if you have specific questions, there's a person there that can hopefully answer the question for you. And at least that person will know where you're up to with your learning so that when you ask them another question later on, at least that way they can see that you've progressed and they can give you more information. Mm -hmm. We used to offer ongoing serger class so that you could bring whatever project that you were wanting to work on and your serger and we would work on it. So, you know, a sewing machine and a serger was always available to every student. So if there something came up while you were working on the project where you required the sewing machine, there was one there for you to use so you would not 
not be able to complete your project because you needed a sewing machine, you didn't have it. But that I thought was really a good way because it's nothing better than learning while you're making the project that you want to make. Sometimes the classes, you know, you're you're learning it, but you're not learning it for the things that you want to use it for. Yep. The earliest classes I did for sewing on serges, they got us to do pieces for sewing around the inside of a curve and an outside of a curve. Okay. Okay. But you're right. It wasn't in context around the project that I was working on. So I had the pieces, but what would you do with them? And then, you know, to me, it's not easy to retain that knowledge when you do that. It's much easier to retain it if it applies to something that you're trying, a project that you're trying to work on. Exactly. I do also, when I'm teaching, offer just a basic surgery class. And the basic class is, you know, come to class with your surgery that you've had in the closet in a box for a year because you were afraid of it. Bring it. We're going to take it out of the box. We're going to thread it. We're going to learn all the parts. We're going to thread it a couple of times so that you get the hang of it well. And then we're going to walk through all the basic stitches that your surgery can do. So we're going to take out needles. We're going to use two loopers and one needle, and we're going to go through all the stitches because surgeons do a lot more than that basic four thread overlock stitch. They really have a lot of function, but people a lot of times don't know what it is and, they, and therefore they don't use it. I actually use my serger most of the time. If I have to gather things, I will use my differential feed on my serger and run it through rather than, you know, the the normal thing that we're told to take the two rows of basting stitches and then pull them. No, no. Go to the serger, lower your differential feed so it gathers the fabric and just gather it up. Done. It sounds too easy. (laughs) It, it, It really is. And I guess I like to, um, I don't have as much time to sew as I would like. And so when I do have time, I want to get as much done as I possibly can. So the more quickly I can get through a process, that's usually my happy place. So when you're looking at a project and it's obviously planned for a sewist to use a sewing machine, what steps can you quickly pinpoint would be ones that you would use for a serger rather than a sewing machine to save time? Well, it depends on what it is and what the fabric is that you're working with, because sometimes you'll think, oh, I can just go ahead and just use the serger and serge this whole thing together. But once you do your test sample, you realize that, no, this fabric is too light. You know, the serging's either going to stretch it or the holes will be too large. And then you really do need to go ahead and make your seams on your sewing machine and then use your serger to do the, the clean finishing parts. But as I said, I always do, I guess I would do my pocket edges if they were, if the pocket is unlined, Mm -hmm. I would go ahead right away and stitch around all the edges of my pocket before I do the pressing to turn it in and put it on the the garment. Definitely the hem edges of the facings, Yep. edges of sleeves. I don't know, because I'm petite, a lot of times I can't finish as much as I would want to right away because I know it's, it's going to be a fitting issue and I'll probably end up cutting something off so there's no point in surging it in the beginning mm-hmm. and then there's been other things especially fabrics that ravel a lot that even though I know I'm going to sew it together on the machine immediately I'll just every seam that's not going to get faced I will just go ahead and serge all of them just to keep all the pieces intact until they actually can get sewn together that's a good idea 
And uh, your three thread stitch is good for that. You don't necessarily need to use four threads if all you're doing is stopping some fraying. So you could eliminate your, your right needle. You know, you could eliminate that right needle thread mm -hmm. and not put as much thread into those edge finishes. It doesn't, you don't need it. I'm writing all this down, see? <laughs> good. In next to your surgery, you, you, you'll probably remember. And then the next time when you go to do something, you'll be, oh, yeah, let me try this. I know I had a gal that I was following on Instagram that was complaining about the gathering. And I said to her, did you ever think about, I knew she, on the surgery, did you ever think about using the differential fee on your surgery? And I explained how you would set it up. And she didn't. But then I would say maybe six months to a year later, she posted up that she had done it. She was like, oh my God, what a breeze. And I was like, yeah, remember I told you that like a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like she was brave enough to actually do it. And she was really happy with the outcome. Right. And sometimes, you know, that's all it is. We just have to give ourselves the grace and the time. Sometimes you're pressed for time and you know one way that works. So you don't really want to take the time to try something else because it's going to take you a little bit longer. But that's the fun of that's the fun of the sewing, the surging, the everything that we're doing as we create, because you get to try things. And if you mess up something, it's OK. Either find a way to fix it make something else out of it, or it goes into the poofs that we're making or a doll bed or none of it ever really gets wasted. That's right. Does that cover all the information that you want to tell people about? I think so. There's so much information on surging and the things that they can do. I hope that people who are interested would maybe find a friend who has a serger and would allow them to try it out or would demo it for them or a group of sewers or someone that has a surgery. I know I'm an ASG member and these are the kinds of things that we explore at our meetings. You know, someone will say, well, does anyone have, would you bring it to the next meeting so I can see it or you could demo it so they can learn about the surgers. Sewing shows, if we're ever allowed to attend any again, yeah. is a good place because usually all of the dealers that sell the surgers that we're interested in are there. And you can go around and really look at all the machines and figure out which one is the perfect one for your sewing room if you're interested. The top feature I would say to look for is something that threads easily. Of course, the easiest way to thread is with the Jet Air, but if there are, they are getting better with the threading systems. So however you're figuring it out at your dealer, at a show, at a friend's, ask them to show you how you thread that upper looper. That's usually the most difficult one to thread. It can be difficult or it can be easy depending on how that serger is set up. That would be the thing. Find one where the threading is going to be easy for you because if you don't like threading it, you're not going to use it. And then I hate to say this, as your eyesight gets weaker, it gets a little bit more difficult again. Yes. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Thank you for giving us all that information about surges so that if there are listeners out there who are thinking about whether they need a surger or if they're thinking of upgrading, you know, you've given them some really good tips to help make a better surger choice. Well, thank you. Um, hopefully I have been informative and you know where I am on Instagram. You know, you can DM me at any time and I can answer questions. I don't mind. I, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the interacting with folks. 
hopefully the pandemic will be over soon and we can I can get back to having students again. Oh, that'd be lovely. So where can people find you on Instagram again? So I'm at CSOs, that is C-E-E-S-E-W-S. That's wonderful. And that way people can see what you're doing and ask you questions and tag you when they've actually made something based on the advice that you've given them as well. That would be great. I'd love to see it. See, thank you for coming back on to another So Over 50 podcast and especially because it's Black History Month. So thank you again. And thank you. I appreciate that you have sensitivity to the fact that it is Black History Month and that you're looking to us and trying to help us be more included in what's going on in the selling community. That, that really does mean a lot. That's a big step forward. I appreciate it. And I'll keep doing that as well. All right. You take care. You too. And have a lovely day, listeners. This episode of So Organized Style Podcast for So Over 50 was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of CSO's Sound by Bensound.com. You can subscribe to So Organized Style Podcast, spelt with an S, not a Z, on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Castbox, and all good podcast distributors. Make sure you listen to the previous So Over 50 podcasts and you'll hear from great people from the So Over 50 community on Instagram. Post any questions or suggestions you have on our podcast website at soorganisedstylepodcast.com, on our Instagram soorganisedstyle account, or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>